people need to have a good experience and enjoy it when they are participating in any cause. And in life, we do things because they feel meaningful. Welcome back to What The Fundraising. I'm your host, Mallory Erickson, and this podcast is for impact leaders and changemakers who are looking to fundamentally change the way they lead and fundraise. It's a special week over here at What The Fundraising because we are launching our first round of a very special series called The People Behind The Products, where we are going to be dropping a short interview every day with some of my favorite industry leaders. Why am I doing this? Because more than ever, nonprofits care about the company behind their technology and service providers. What's the underlying mission and vision of the company? What do they stand for? And how are they thinking about the sector and serving nonprofits? These are all important questions, and this series is an opportunity to answer them. It's important to note that this series is unsponsored content and editorial decisions came solely from the What the Fundraising production team. All right, let's dive into our first episode. Today, I'm interviewing Max Friedman. Max is the CEO and co-founder of GiveButter, a modern fundraising platform powering online donations, campaigns, and events for more than 35,000 good causes. The truth is, all limiting beliefs aside, we can make giving fun. And Max and the team at GiveButter are proving this to be true each and every day. They have created a crowdfunding platform that seeks to raise funds that will empower the next generation of changemakers. In this episode, we talk about Max's entrepreneurial journey, starting in his college dorm room, to what it's like to be a 27-year-old leader of a rising tech company. There are so many great tips in this episode, from automation suggestions to effective prompts to innovative engagement strategies, but my favorite topic that we talk about is Max's imposter syndrome. Max, like all of us, experiences moments of self-doubt, and his vulnerability in this episode is a true gift to the sector. He talks about how he manages his imposter syndrome and his top tips for nonprofit leaders dealing with similar doubts. I can't wait for you to hear this advice, so let's jump in so you can meet Max. Welcome, everyone. I am so thrilled to be here today with Max Friedman. Max, welcome to What the Fundraising. Thanks, Mallory. It's great to be here. I'm really excited for our conversation today, and I love your story and Give Butter's story. So why don't we just start with you telling everyone a little bit about your journey and what brings you to our conversation today? Sure. I'm Max Freeman, co-founder and CEO at Give Butter. We are a nonprofit fundraising platform trying to build the operating system for any nonprofit to do their fundraising, donor management, and stewardship all in one place, all for free. But we definitely did not start with that. We started much smaller as a student crowdfunding site. So I was a college student at George Washington University, and so were my co-founders in Washington, D.C. And initially, the idea was to how do we engage young people in philanthropy? So we built a kernel of an idea, a crowdfunding site that upload images and GIFs and drawings when you donated and show why you cared about the cause and get involved more visually rather than just punch a donation in like you're buying something on Amazon. And our first campaign was for a kosher food truck in DC. It was a huge success. They hit their goal in 24 hours and we were off to the races. And that was uh, a little over six years ago in 2016. And it's been an awesome journey ever since. Wow. What were some elements of that initial design that have sort of stayed true to the underlying user experience of Give Butter. While I can imagine it's wildly different than that first ever component, it sounds to me like there's some overlap in what you guys prioritize today. So tell me a little bit about that. 
Yeah, it's so cool because so much has stayed the same and so much has changed, right? So pillars when we started were build more transparency into fundraising. There are a lot of hidden fees that other sites that existed at the time were not making transparent. So day one was like, how do we say, here are the fees, donors have the option to cover them. And from the very beginning, we saw that over 90% of donors, if they were shown the fee when they were given, they were willing to cover it. Number two was how do we build modern features into fundraising? The companies had started before the iPhone existed. So it's, it's like, how do we integrate Venmo into giving? And that was one of the first features we launched, which was a hit among college students. But little did we know that nonprofits would also love to use Venmo mm. for their own giving. And we kind of segued into the nonprofit space. And number three was how do we build in the human experience? Like how do we make giving fun and more social? We just have thought a lot about that over the years. It's a big part of why we're called Give Butter. It's like a better way to give and puns are fun. And we think giving should be fun too. So we always prioritize how can we make giving fun? Because when it's fun, you'll want to do it again. And all of those things have stayed completely the same. What's changed though is functionally, we went from crowdfunding to what we call team fundraising, which is the industry calls peer-to-peer fundraising. We launched an event platform so you can sell tickets to events and run fundraising events. Platforms like Eventbrite are fantastic for events, but they don't put as much of an emphasis on the fundraising piece. And so we added that embeddable donation form. We can be your donate button on your website and integrate more there. And then last year, we launched a CRM and a stewardship platform so you can send emails and texts to your supporters. And today, actually, we are launching auctions. So we just launched the first completely free auction platform that fully integrates with your event ticketing platform. And just so excited to see what our users do with that. A lot of options, a lot of possibilities for what you can do. And if you've never run an auction before, our whole goal is to make that as easy as possible for you to do so. Cool. So tell me, you kind of got springboarded into the nonprofit sector in a really intense way. What have been some of the biggest surprises for you as you've started to get to know nonprofit and see their different challenges and possibilities? What's been happening? Yeah, it's a great question because you're totally right. I've always been involved in giving in my life, but I've never been a nonprofit professional. And so I always had imposter syndrome about that. Who am I to tell a nonprofit professional like what best practices are with fundraising? This is what they've done and oftentimes for their entire career, right? We're building this innovative solution, but it was sort of, how do I bridge that gap and get more familiar? And so actually one of our very first customers on the platform, a nonprofit called Humans for Education, they signed up for our newsletter and I just saw the .org email and I reached out and I connected with Daphne, their founder, and I ended up joining their board and getting more involved at that level and understanding Mm. what does this look like? And they were very grassroots founder-led nonprofit. And one of the things that I learned that I think is true, whether you're starting a for-profit company or you're starting a nonprofit is when you're starting something new, especially, you just want to focus on the mission. Like you're starting something because you care about a cause that you want to make a difference in the world and you want to have that impact. But there's all this other stuff that gets in the way, all this Mm. overhead and things that you have to deal with. What I realized that Give Butter can do for people is not only alleviate that burden so that people can spend more time focusing on their mission, but we can make it fun. We can make it something that you don't dread. And so, Mm. you know, there's a lot of great data and research out there about giving and fundraising best practices, but it's been tested and tested and tested and tested. And we're, you know, it's 2022, like we're doing everything we can to integrate those best practices. But at the end of the day, it's also got to be fun. People need to have a Mm. good experience and enjoy it when they are participating in any cause and in life. We do things because they feel meaningful. And so that's something that. I've learned that we can bring to the space in working with so many different nonprofits over the years of all shapes and sizes, small, big, medium, large, in different sectors. People want to spend more time on the mission, but a lot of other things get in the way and we try to find ways to alleviate that and make it fun. 
Yeah. You can tell me if you don't want to talk about this, but I just really appreciate the fact that you talked about your own imposter syndrome. And it's a theme actually that comes up a lot on this podcast. It's something that I think nonprofit leaders who are listening to this are really going to resonate with because everybody experiences imposter syndrome in different ways. And I'd just be curious to know, I mean, you did get then sort of sprung into building this big company fresh out of your dorm room. And so I can imagine you have a really unique sort of lens and maybe tools that you use to deal with your own imposter syndrome. And I'd wonder if you would share that with us. 100%. One of my very first published articles was on this topic. Super passionate about it. I'm 27 years old. I lead a company of 40 people. I deal with this every day. I'm asking myself, am I the best person to lead this company? I don't have necessarily the experience that other people might have as a professional in my career. Like I wanted to start a company. I knew I wanted to do that my first freshman year of college. And I did one political internship and I dove headfirst into startups. And I did a lot of other jobs. I was a assistant Hebrew school teacher. I made sandwiches and pizzas back in my hometown. I was a sales associate at Brookstone with the massage chairs. And I loved that job. I got all these sorts of odd jobs all growing up. But my first like professional experience was really in startups. Every step of the way, whether I'm talking to customers or investors or hiring and recruiting, I'm constantly fighting this and I've leaned on a few things. So the first is friends and family. They know who you are. And whenever I'm feeling these, being open and honest with them and leaning on them and not being afraid to be honest about these feelings and kind of acknowledging, I'm not sure about this or that. And having that base of support has always been a cornerstone for me, calling my parents, talking to my fiance, talking to my best friend about, hey, you know, my best friend who's going to med school right now and, you know, no idea about the ins and outs mm-hmm. of my world, but just being able to go back to my roots and, and talk about these things has actually been really helpful for me. The second is realizing that if I'm feeling like an imposter, that's a really good thing because it means I'm growing. It means I'm pushing myself out of my comfort zone. And that reminder always makes me say, okay, this is something that's new for me, but it is a good thing. I'm pushing myself outside of my comfort zone. And the last is mentors. Mentors have been just huge for me. And I've always treated mentors like friendships. So all my all my best mentors are friends too. So those have been relationships that I've built up over a long time, but it's really looking at who do I already know or asking about people who are in positions where I want to be, mm-hmm. that I look up to and I aspire to be in their shoes one day, or I see elements of how they go about their lives. And I'm like, that is inspiring to me. And so leaning on them whenever I have those moments, that's kind of the distinction is like, for me is mentors are great. But if you have to like schedule 30 minute zooms, like two weeks out, that's a different kind of relationship. I'm talking about people I can text and they'll get back to me and I can kind of work through Mm. things in real time with that's been really huge. And one more thing on this is just like, this is just so common, like we're all figuring it out. And learning that and realizing that and kind of meeting your heroes too, you realize they're also Mm. sort of figuring it out and they're not so different from me and you. That's kind Mm. of a longer answer, but those are all things that have helped me a lot as I've dealt with this in my career. No, I really appreciate that. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, so much of the actions that we take or don't take come back to those narratives in our head and how we deal with them. And so I think the tech is important and the optimization of our processes are important and being able to tackle that imposter syndrome so that we send out the campaign when we say we're going to send it out and we send it out to our whole list, not the people that we say, oh, well, they already gave monthly, so they shouldn't be included because all of those things are like embedded in those narratives that we hold and so often don't talk about. So I really appreciate that transparency. And I agree. I think letting that voice be like, okay, like here I am at my growth edge. That's a big strategy for me too. Like when it shows up, I'm like, of course you're here. This is new and this is scary. I expected to see you. Thanks so much. And then sort of being able to move on. So I really appreciate you sharing that. 
I'm curious, like, as you think about the sector as a whole, sort of beyond Give Butter, what are some of the things that you're the most excited to be seeing happening in our space? And where do you feel like our growth edges are, where we as a sector need to sort of step into more of our power and possibility? Yeah. So I have a potentially a weird take on this, which is there was a lot of buzz around crypto and AI and like VR, AR was a big trend for a while. And there are so many cool things happening in technology. Now you've got AI art is like a whole thing. NFTs, right? Where you can give it a prompt and it spits out three beautiful Monet paintings with <laughs> slices of butter skiing down a mountain. Like there's so many like cool <laughs> things happening in tech. And I love tech. So I'm following all of this. But I think for nonprofits, especially small nonprofits, I think there needs to be a little bit of a push back to the basics. And we've been in this virtual world during COVID for the last two years, two plus years. I don't even know. I've lost track of time. I'm super excited to see people getting back together in person. We're seeing a lot of fall fundraising events coming around the corner. And I'm just so excited about the different types of campaigns and causes and events that are happening. And I'm looking forward to seeing what people are able to do when they get back together and build those relationships again with their community and do that outreach and meet people again. And that's why I say it's a weird take is that there is so many cool things that I am looking forward to. And I am certain that these things will become easier and more widely accessible not only to nonprofits to be able to like accept donations in more sophisticated ways, but also for donors to give in those ways mm-hmm. who have access and crypto and things become more mainstream. I think that'll be great. But I still think that's a ways out, and especially for small organizations, focusing on the basics, getting technology out of the way and meeting people in person and where they're at. There's nothing that replaces that. Yeah. You're bringing up this really sort of interesting concept that I'd like to see sort of where you fall on it. I was just on a webinar where someone was asking about, do you feel like we're getting to this point where we're sort of automating too much and we're losing the sense of authenticity and connection? And my argument and pushback and disagree with me, but what I said is that, you know, I think all of us actually could be doing a lot more communication with our donors. And so for me, it's not actually an either or it's like, what are you automating so that you can do those other more personalized Mm. touch points. And I don't think that authenticity and automation are at odds. I think there are ways to build authenticity into automation and that you just have to be really sort of intentional around your voice with that. But I like what you said, because I think I would sort of maybe even caveat what I said on the webinar with the fact that you should be deciding what you're automating based on your capacity and where your organization is at the moment. And yes, there are a lot of shiny objects and cool ways to do things. But if you're struggling with some of the basics around individual giving and or your community is really missing each other because this annual event used to bring a tremendous amount of belonging, then like before you go off and figure out all those other things, not that they're not cool, but before you go do that, sort of how do you bring your organization back to basics? And I'm curious how you would answer that question around sort of automation and authenticity related to all of this. Yeah, I love that question. And I completely agree that they're not at odds. I think automation is an excellent tool to give you back your time so that you can then spend the time building the authentic relationship. So Mm. I think there are absolutely a lot of low hanging fruit for in any job. Basically, if you do something twice, you should ask yourself, can I automate this? Is this an automatable thing? But I think the buck stops with relationships. Like you can't automate Mm. relationships. Relationships Mm. by definition are human and personal. And there is definitely a limit to where automation can take that. Mm. And for any organization, it's a capacity question too. Like, where is my threshold of what I'm able to do? Because you can't go to every single potential donor's house and get dinner with them and have that conversation. So there's nuance to all those conversations. But Mm. I definitely think that those things are not at odds, but automation is a tool to give you back your time to then spend on building those relationships. 
Yeah, I really agree. And it's making me think about what are the elements of our relationships sort of with each other that become automated and keep a sense of connection, even taking fundraising out of it. I'm thinking about the way that in my relationships with my friends and following them on Instagram and seeing what's happening in their lives, I feel this sense of connection and that I'm staying up to date about what's happening. And it's giving me these points to check in with them. And so it doesn't replace my like deep emotional connection with them or having that one-on-one conversation, but it's a way to really keep me sort of engaged along the way in between those touch points, which is what I really hear you saying Mm -hmm. too, which I really love. Absolutely. Yeah. Authenticity is everything. It's I think why people invest in stories and ideas and people, I think social media is a great example of something that can keep people aware and and engaged of what's happening. But even that is a degree removed. It's interesting. We'll get because GiveBiter is a very open-ended platform in that we have organizations of all shapes and sizes using us, but some people come in and they're totally new to fundraising. The first thing Mm -hmm. they'll do is they'll post their campaign on social media and say, I think I only got a few Mm -hmm. donations. Like why? Mm -hmm. And then we have people, you know, all the way at the other end of the spectrum who are super sophisticated and doing all sorts of very interesting things to automate interaction. And this is a very good question. But yeah, it's like, these are ways to get you in front of people and spark a conversation. I so strongly believe that nothing replaces person to person interactions. And one of the pieces of data I learned when we first started GiveButter is the number one reason why people give is someone they know asked them to. It's like a very simple idea. But when you think about it, it's like, oh, yeah, that... (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of obvious and people don't realize, you know, it's, there's a lot of barriers to making that ask and a lot of things that go into it. Creating awareness, using automation to help do that, I think is great, but then you still need to make the ask or spend that time. Yeah. I think it's such an important point. We know from behavior change and habit design that a prompt is necessary for people to get over the action line. So we hear a lot of the time, like, well, they know we need money. So they would just give because they know we always need money. But actually the science of behavior, that's not how it works. Exactly Mm -hmm. what you said. They have to be asked. There has to be a prompt. And for people who are listening to this, who are like, well, this person gave and I didn't ask them something else prompted them something on their calendar, something they saw in the news, their accountant, their partner, something they were prompted. And so, so much, I think of the conversation that we have is like around donors behavior without thinking about the fundraiser behavior that led to the donor behavior. I love what you're talking about. What are the touch points? What are the prompts that we're giving people invitations to really engage them in our work? Definitely. I'm curious, Mallory, are there any prompts that you've seen be particularly effective, especially as we're entering year end giving Tuesday coming up? That's an amazing prompt. You have end of year. There's always the debate about donor fatigue on giving Tuesday. Should I ask? Should I not? You should um, ask. Yes, I agree. <laughs> Absolutely. It's a big moment. Yeah, it's like nonprofit I mean, holiday. To me, it's about figuring out what are the right prompts for your organization. So I think a lot about how do you create urgency through relevance? And then how are you creating prompts that are particularly relevant to the moment? So people give when they experience a peak moment. And this is something Francesco Ambrogetti wrote, Hooked on a Feeling, this amazing book that really talks about this. And I think a lot about that. What are the relevant moments in the organization's life, in the donor's life, in the world life around us. And that's why when COVID first hit, or even talk about the recession, there's this fear-based place that we go to a lot of initially around like, oh, it's inappropriate to ask right now. No, 
your ask right now needs to be relevant to the moment. Why does your community, why do the people you serve need support more than ever right now? How is the recession impacting them right now? Why is this Giving Tuesday particularly important to your people, to your community right now? I think when organizations stay focused on answering that question, the prompts they give are authentic and transparent and really meaningful. Yeah. And it's two-sided, right? So in the beginning of COVID, there was a lot of great research that came out that nonprofits who, this is a very tumultuous time, a lot of uncertainty, a fear of doing that messaging was totally understandable. But the data showed in retrospect that nonprofits who sent message, not only sent messaging during the first three months of COVID, but also stressed the urgency of what was happening, specifically the urgency of what was happening for the nonprofit right now, being authentic, stressing urgency and using that moment, what was happening right now, those nonprofits who did that raised 30% more than those who, who didn't. And so you need that prompt and being authentic and using what's happening right now, not only thinking about the donor and being empathetic to what's going on in their lives, but also being transparent and honest about what's happening within your own organization or in the world that relates to your organization, I think makes a huge difference. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think so much of fundraising is a self-fulfilling prophecy a little bit. When we decide it's inappropriate to ask right now, or we decide there's donor fatigue on Giving Tuesday, we prove that to be true, either by sending a really bland message that doesn't deeply connect to our donors because we don't want to be too much, or we just sort of, we make that reality for ourselves. And I think I personally believe that donor fatigue is a myth. I think they might be tired of certain messages and messaging, but people are not tired of being generous. And so I think the more that we give people really meaningful ways to engage like you all do, the better it is for everyone. 100%. Giving is human nature. I think it's what makes us human is supporting one another. And if you do it right, you're you're doing a favor even. You're you're giving someone an opportunity to make a difference and they appreciate that. And I don't think there's a limit to that. Limits within your own organization, you want to be sensitive to those things, but I do believe that is 100% true. Yeah. Is there a story as we wrap up from your time at GiveButter that stays sort of as a North star for you or keeps you motivated when you're having really hard days, something that's been really meaningful for you on your journey. One of the things that I really love about our mission, which is to empower the change maker in all of us, is that it gives us this incredible North star of how can we do that for everybody? How do we empower the change maker? That belief that we all share that we all want to make the world a better place. Give Butter has that opportunity to help people do so. And so we've set our vision to impact the next billion change makers. And for me, it was a dollar number because we're a fundraising platform. So we're like, we had a dollar number. We're, we're trying to help raise X dollars for good causes. But we flipped that to say we want to impact the next billion change makers. And it's created such a unifying thread for our whole team and motivating. And the reason why it hits so home for me is because of what we were talking about earlier, where I didn't come from the nonprofit industry and starting GiveButter, but over the last seven years have learned so much and gotten involved with so many different good causes. And it's all about the people, the people who we get to work with, it's the people who we impact through our work and impacting and empowering and inspiring the next generation of change makers is just extremely motivating. And so I don't have a particular story. I might have to think about that and no, come on I again. But that. every day when I wake up and I think about what we do, it's all about the people. I love that. Thank you so much for this amazing conversation. Tell folks where they can find you and where they can learn more about GiveButter. And I'll make sure all the links are below as well. Definitely. Find me on LinkedIn. I'm always happy to connect with anybody. GiveButter is at givebutter.com, at givebutter on social media, hashtag spread the butter and (laughs) check out givebutter.com slash auctions. If you are interested in running Mm -hmm. your next auction on a free, easy to use end to end event 
fundraising platform. Awesome. Thank you so much for everything that you're doing to support this sector and all the change makers in it. Thank you, Mallory. Right back at you. All right. I really loved this conversation and it was jam-packed with advice. Here are the top things that I'm taking away. Number one, I love Max's top tips for imposter syndrome, acknowledging the feeling, reaching out to family, his fiance, best friend, or a mentor, and using the feeling as a reminder of growth. Number two, if you are crowdfunding, you need to ensure your platforms are user-friendly and there is transparency. Number three, Giving shouldn't be boring. You want to find fun ways to ensure people are having fun when they're participating in your campaigns. Number four, if you have any repetitive tasks, automate them. But automation shouldn't be in place of deeper relationship building. Automation should free up your capacity to build deeper relationships with more people. And number five, you need to create urgency in your campaigns by creating relevance. Look at what's happening in the world and choose the best way possible to make your campaign urgent and relevant. Okay, there are so many more takeaways and tips inside this episode, so head on over to MalloryErickson.com backslash podcast to grab the full show notes and resources now. You'll also find more information there about Max and GiveButter. Thank you for spending this time with us today. If you enjoyed this episode, we would love it if you would give it a rating and review and share it with a friend. I am so grateful for all of my listeners and the good hard work you're doing to make our world a better place. And if you miss me between episodes, stop by and say hello on Instagram under what the fundraising underscore. Have a great day and I'll see you tomorrow for our next episode of the people behind the products.